fishing boat, and uh, he began to invite ministers that would go to Alaska. If, if you were to go fishing just for the halibut, it would cost you about $300. And uh, he determined that he wasn't going to allow uh, any minister to, to pay. And so was on his boat several times, caught a halibut, almost 300 pounds, caught several 100 pounds. But while we were drinking coffee, he shared with me a story that he had been out in, on the boat the year before with a uh, retired Church of God pastor, and they were fishing, and all of a sudden, the pastor and he began to hear what he thought was music, heard this music. So they turned the motor off, they listened, and of course, they're in the shadow of the glacier. They're there at Deep Creek, Alaska, and uh, they turned the motor off, and they both declared to each other that they hear music. So Justin, they fire up the boat and head towards where they thought they heard music. And there was a guy in the water, had fallen off his boat, was doing something on the outside. The deck was slick. He'd fallen, fallen into the water without a life preserver, without a, without a life jacket. Uh, and, you know, the, the water there is so cold, you can't survive very long at all. So they reached down. They pulled him out of the water and saved his life. And he began to frantically tell them about his wife. The ship that he was in, his wife was in the, in the bottom of the ship asleep. And the ship was pre-programmed was pre and was running right towards an island of solid rock. Got a hold of the Coast Guard. They blew out, chased, chased the boat, got on board, and shut the throttle down just a few hundred yards away from shore. And I got to thinking about how it seems like in times like, it seems like in times that if it's not one thing, it's another. Can anybody relate? If it's not one thing, it's another. I know when I look at the life of Paul, I mean, he goes from prison to freedom to, to all kinds of a storm, uh, being bit by a snake. And it's like every day in the life of Paul was filled with some kind of adventure, and it wasn't all that good of a venture. When I think about Job losing his family, losing his wealth, losing his inheritance, losing his, his, his savings, everything that he had, he lost it. And you, you see poor Job going through an attitude where he could say, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. When I showed you the clip on Facebook of all the people falling overboard, I, I know we laugh and I know it really is. And we're glad that nobody got hurt except that one guy that did the, anyway, we hope that nobody got hurt. But sometimes it's, it's, it's fun to look at others and see we're not the only ones going through stuff. We're not the only ones going through stuff. And I, if I had a thought or I had a, a sermon title, it, it's, I, it changed like three times a day in the worship. How crazy is that? But, you know, I felt like if I could give you a thought to leave something with you today that would help you and, and bless you, I would entitle this the power of the power of his presence or getting into God's presence or operating in God's presence. Last week, we spent a little bit of time in John, the 20th chapter. I'd like for you to go there with me, if you will. Just want to bring attention to one or two things. And we're all familiar of the story of Mary and the disciples going to the tomb, finding the tomb empty. Last week, we made the point that she went while it was still night. And I thought of that scripture that says, weeping endures for a season, but joy comes in the morning. Tomorrow could be your morning. Tomorrow could be the day that's highlighted on God's calendar that he has chosen to visit you and bring to you what you're looking for and what you need. 
when I think of positioning, I was just trying to mentally think of some, some positions today, and I thought about how at a wedding, the uh, unmarried girls will all position themselves so they can catch the bouquet and get married. I thought about a soccer player, a goalie, will position himself in front of the net to try to keep the, to try to keep the ball going through the net. And of course, when you, think, when you think of life, when you think about work, it's almost everything we do, if we're, if we're focused on accomplishing something, we're focused on doing something better and getting paid for it. I want Keith Red to get ready to come and help me. Uh, Pat Robertson 700 Club have tapped into some resources, the resources of Walmart, the resources of some, some, some high-end stores that have made, that have made it a, a point to bless 700 Club. Million, Keith, come on and help me. With um, millions, uh, millions and millions of dollars of inventory, of supplies and surplus, and I want Keith to tell you about his job. Keith is the only one in the church that I've ever had an employer call me and ask if if the if the if the, the position that he's pursuing if they're spirit filled. Only time, she called me and said, "I said he's a prayer warrior, loves the Lord, and he's a big old boy and can handle himself." Uh, Keith, tell us what is, what is going on right now in your life as far as your job. I was prepared to do this last week. Good thing we didn't do it. Uh, back in June, I got the opportunity to go with uh, CBN and Operation Blessing. Operation Blessing is the uh, outreach ministry in, internationally that uh, helps folks there got people on the ground in Iraq and all over all over the world but they also do ministries here in in the in the country where we get millions and millions of pounds of uh, donated inventory that uh, industrial places have it it's either going out of date or something and they they pick it we have 16 trucks that run it all over the country. We pick up the supplies, bring it. Then we have what we call coalition ministries all over the country. We deliver to every week. And then they distribute to, to close to millions of people here in the United States, supplies, foods, and anything we get, they, they get. So we will take uh, 30 to 40 pallets of uh, merchandise that we picked up in our warehouse and deliver it to these ministries. I was over in last week in Gainesville. If you're on Facebook with me, you would have seen the pictures. And they were actually unloading, and the snow was coming down. The trees were filled with ice. And we were unloading. They were housing 45 to 50 people who they call come out of the tent cities in the, in the ministry and feeding them. When I got there, I got a chance to eat lunch with them. Uh, they were just then feeding lunch with probably close to 50 to 60 people that showed up. Uh, and they housed them, kept them warm for those few days that the storm came through. And uh, it was just amazing. Week before, I was able to pick up a, a load of medical supplies. And these medical supplies went on a container and instantly... As soon as they could get them on a, in a container, shipped them to Honduras, medical supplies like Band-Aids and stuff like that. Uh, these things just does not happen. The government doesn't even do these things. We do these things through the ministry, pick them up, 
Everything is done for free. Uh, every time somebody comes in with a need, it's all done for free. And it's, it's done by miracle God because as much as it costs. For example, the truck that I drive, if you see me at my truck on Facebook, that truck costs the ministry $5,000 a month to, to lease. The trailer costs 16 trucks total. Uh, trailers are $2,000 a month. They're reefer trailers. We release these through uh, Penske, and then they, they take care of them. So that cost is high. I spend in the neighborhood of probably close to $2,000 a week in fuel just to get around, doing about 3,000, 3,200 miles a week. That's just one truck. So you add that times 16, and you've got basically how much. Uh, Terry, our director, mentioned the other day that we are doing, in 20 years of doing this, we have done over 4 billion pounds of, of product all over the United States. We have four warehouses, one in Florida, one in, in Virginia, another one in Chesapeake, Virginia and another one in uh, Grand Prairie, Texas, and uh, they take care of everything. Uh, but then you have on top of that all the backup people. We're looking probably two to 300 people that take care of this, just this ministry with Operation Blessing. And they pay, you well. and they pay me a decent salary. I mean, I'm, I'm living. Well, we're praying. Uh, well, they kept me warm last week. They sent me down to Florida. It was 27 in Ocala. And Florida uh, then sent me down as low as Fort Myers, and it was 57 down there. So that's pretty cold for those folks down there. And so when I come back, I had three inches of snow and busted ice, busted water pipe. So it's just been one of those weeks. <laughs> Thank you. But it's better than that picture I showed him. Thank you, Brother Keith. I'd... I am not. I am not exaggerating. They called three times to check on Keith, and what his status was in the church, how his relationship was with the Lord, and it was very. It was fun to give them a good report and to know that they are looking for that kind of help. And we are in the process. Keith, will help me here. We're in the process of becoming one of those centers that we be able to accommodate and help and bless. This past week, uh, Pat Robinson's ministry gave the Hope House all kinds of all kinds of stuff, and it looks like we're getting lined up for some more. So I guess the whole point, the whole point of, of Keith sharing his testimony, and what a testimony, that you have the ability to do that every single day of your life, and you're changing lives, and you're blessing people, and you're helping people. And, you know, I, I think that sometimes in life we kind of get stagnant or just kind of get content or kind of get satisfied. And uh, as we look at this story in John, the 20th chapter, we find, obviously, there has been a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. Jesus has been horrifically murdered. The disciples are hiding for fear of the Jews. Uh, Mary makes up her mind to go to the tomb of Jesus, and Peter and John actually get in a foot race. And John beats Peter to the tomb, but doesn't go in. And so Peter, following John, goes in. And, and sees what we told you. you saw last week, the napkin, the clothes, and the tomb is empty. And then the Bible says that 
that John and Peter went back home to the house, but Mary tarried there in the garden at the place where she last saw the body of Christ. And we know that she saw two angels, did not know they were angels, and asked, asked them where they had laid his body. And then she saw a guy that she thought was the gardener, and she asked the gardener, tell me where you've laid his body. Uh, Robbie, watch this, so I may go and get him. I mean, I mean, she had more confidence in a dead Jesus than a lot of us have confidence in a live Jesus. But she said, I want, I, I want to find him. I want, I want to take care of what needs to be done. And then he says in Luke 20, and I believe it's verse 19, if you'll look at that just for a minute. Verse 16, I'm sorry. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended. Watch the mission. Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. What a, what a story. What a, what a moment. What, a, what, a, what an experience that that God would say your name in such a way that you would recognize the voice of God. And I like where it says that she turned herself to face him. Obviously depression, obviously fear, obviously worry, maybe some anger, all those emotions and all of those moods. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. All the moods that she encountered and all the moods that she went through and all the things that took place in just that short window. And then he tells her, hey, go tell my brethren that I'm not dead, but I'm risen. And there we find the first sermon, the first gospel, the good news was preached that Mary went and told the disciples that he was alive, that he was risen, and he was risen indeed. And we rejoice in that fact because that's the God that we serve. That's the Christ that we ask to come into our life. And that's the Christ that wants us to have stuff that I don't know that we even, we even grasp or pursue. In, in Romans in, I'm sorry, in Hebrews 11th chapter, and guys, I may not have all these in order, but in Hebrews 11th chapter, we see two types of people, and you're going to fall into one category or the other. We see one category of people like Enoch and Abraham and Noah and Moses and David and Jephthah and Samson, all those guys that actually saw the power of God operating in their life, and they, they saw God moving, and they enjoyed that, and they had great victories. Obviously, Noah built the ark. Abraham raised up a nation for God. Jacob's name was changed. Joseph goes and saves the nation. We see these great warriors and great champions doing great things and receiving great reward. Then we see a generation of, of Christians that were stoned, they were tortured. They were beaten. They hid in caves and dens of the earth, the Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. So there's a, in, right in the middle of Hebrews 11, there's a, there's, a, there's a place there where all these great things happen, all these great people. And then the other half of the chapter is all these bad things happen to all these great people. And so I don't, I don't know if you remember the song years and years ago. Obviously, it was a country western song, but it says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. If we're not careful, we'll make the gospel so charismatic and so full of blessing and favor that we miss the fact that there are sometimes in our life bad things are going to happen to us, and we, like everybody else, are going to experience that rain and that storm and that tragedy. I know that there was a, another early 70s, there was a song that asked the question, 
Is that all there is? And let's keep singing. Do you remember that, Linda? Is that all there is? Let's keep singing. And then I thought about Jack Nicholson, that great, that great movie where you obviously know he was kind of messed up in the head. But he asked the question, is this as good as it helped me? Yes. Is this, is this all there is? Is this, is this all? Is that? And I think that especially as you approach a little later age in life, I just turned 40 and uh, in my mind, uh, I just turned 40 in my mind. But, you know, you, you, you wait. Once you turn 60, you know, you're careful about everything. I mean, I walked out yesterday. There was ice all over the, all over the step, and I just knew I was going to eat it, but I did not. I went out to my parents to take them a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk, and I could not get up. I could not get up the driveway in the I didn't drive the suburban. So I parked and I got and I promise you, not once, not twice, but almost 20 times, I almost fell. I said, I can just see myself falling, whacking my head and bleeding to death and nobody even know where I am. And so, so not only do we go through bad stuff, but it's almost like sometimes we expect bad stuff to happen to us. But I believe that there is a place that we can find. I have a revelation today. It's not going to take very long, I promise you. Uh, to present it, and it's only 15 till 12, so we have got plenty of time. But this is the revelation I'd like to share with you. Psalms 3, let me start. David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I want you to watch the digression there, okay? We're, we're, we're encouraged not to walk with sinners. We're, we're encouraged not to stand and not to sit with scorners because in Hebrews, in Hebrews 12 and 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run what? With patience this race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross, endured the cross, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Okay, stay with me just for a minute and go, if you will, to John 15. Are you ready for the revelation? Okay, three of you. So Hebrews 11 talks about all these horrible things happen to good people, good things happen to good people. And then it concludes with, because we have all these witnesses, Abraham and all in the spiritual heavenlies, all of these patriarchs that are praying for us and watching over us, that we are to pursue the things of God. And it says that who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And you, you ponder what possible joy could Jesus encounter on the way to the cross that would encourage him and, and, and would build him up in the faith. And this is my personal opinion. I believe that there are three hosts. I believe one is the heavenly host with Gabriel, one's the heavenly host with Michael, and one a demonic host with Lucifer. I believe that Gabriel leads one-third of the angels in praise and worship to the Holy Spirit. I believe that Michael leads one-third of the angels in praise and worship to God. I believe at one time Lucifer led one-third of the angels in praise and worship to the word of the preexistent Christ. He and one-third of the angels, Jerry, have been cast out of heaven, cast to the earth, and I believe that God is raising up an earthly choir with a heavenly ministry. 
I believe that when, as God has sent the, his son, his son's blood has been shed for us. We accept him in, into our heart and confess our sins and allow him to be the Lord of our life. We become a part of that, heavenly, that earthly choir that has a heavenly goal. We become of that great cloud of witnesses. And I believe that one day this church and probably hundreds of millions of people are going to be that special choir, the redeemed, hello, of the Lord, that special place that angels can't do that, patriarchs can't do that, but we can because we have been to the river and we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. That excite anybody in the building. Okay, so he says, I'm going to Calvary because there is joy set before me. Okay, what's the joy? The joy set before me is knowing that one day you and I would be in his presence to worship him and praise him forever that we would take the crowns off our head and lay them at his feet, that there would be a new name written down, a new, a new generation, a whole new life. I don't know if you've ever pondered what it would be like to live forever. I don't know if you pondered the things that God has prepared for us, Jesus has prepared for us. You know, the, the Bible says that in six days God restored the earth. And what an earth. But Jesus has been gone thousands of days, every day working on our home in heaven, the place that he has for us, the ministry he has for us. And when you think about what kind of ministry could you possibly have if you're going to live forever? And, of course, we will praise him all, all, forever. But, what, but the possibilities of creating your own world, create, uh, creating your own people, I mean, how cool, how, cool, how cool would that be? Unless you had to go die for them, then it wouldn't be cool. But, but the Bible says, eye is not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered in the imagination of the heart of men the things that God has prepared for them. So here's what Jesus is saying. Because there's been joy presented to me, I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to carry the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect because something is offered to me that's worth more than me dying. And that's, I think that's hard to grasp that that's you and me. But John 15, I want to show you verse 11. These things I've spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. Ever think about that? His joy is fueling our fire. His joy is in us. And as we operate in the joy that he has for us, then we realize that we have joy also that we can give away, that we can celebrate life and, and celebrate one another. Okay, let's, do some, let's just do a little, a little chemistry right here and do a little, little, little lesson in science. Your brain, those of you that have one, is constantly creating and providing the body with different enzymes, different antioxidants. We know that the brain produces melatonin and tryptophan, which allows us to kind of be calm, to kind of be peaceful, to take a nap. We know that our brain produces endorphins, which causes our, our, our joy, our laughter, our fun to accelerate and to impede what we originally started off with. So our brain has the ability every day, every moment, to begin to create all these things in our brain. And what happens, and, and Wendy and Susie, I just hate to tell you this, but, you know, once you turn 50, 
things start falling off, down, in, over. I don't know, nobody, nobody can relate. But this brain stops producing those endorphins. Those brains stop producing that tryptophan, that melatonin. And once you get 50, 55 years of age, you find yourself supplementing yourself from vitamins that come from Walmart. This is not a plug for Walmart. But if you're having a tough time sleeping, then you need to take some melatonin. If you're depressed all the time, then you probably need some tryptophan. Now, here's the world solution of the two things that God put in you that he wants you to have. And this is, this is, where, I'm, this is where I want to wind up. I'm right where I wanted to be. There are two things in you that are God-given, that come from God, that you will not find anywhere else in the world except through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing that God puts in you, a button or a valve or the desire to be joyful. It's easier to smile than it is to frown. There's so many things that can happen with a smile that will not happen with the frown. It's so easy to look at something funny and, and, and laugh and think that's funny and show somebody else. And, of course, they get bored because you've got to show them all the things you've got on Facebook that you want them to see. But we, we are creatures that were created with the desire to pursue joy. We're also creatures that were created with the desire to walk in the, you ready? The peace that passeth all understanding. What is that peace? That peace will be at the funeral home today. Our hearts are broken, we're hurt, we're wounded. Sherman is gone. But God will allow a peace to touch that family and to fall in that congregation. And, they, and it's, it's a God-given. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from a bottle. It doesn't come from a pill. It's God-given. And what happens in our, in our, in our suke, in, in the environment that we live in, there are levels, and if you'll watch me just for a minute, I'll show you some levels. There are levels that when you drink your first cup of coffee and you put that caffeine in your body, it hits that endorphin or that pleasure mode where you enjoy it. And what happens is the first cup of coffee takes you, takes you here. Then you go and you realize that tomorrow this cup of coffee just took us to here, so we're going to take another cup of coffee to get here. Are you with me? And then all of a sudden, the third day or the third week or the third year, you're down here. And by now, you're snorting coffee and shooting into your vein. And, and hello, you're having four cups before you leave the house. That's, that's a valve. Watch this. That's a valve that God put in your life. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He wants you to get excited. He wants you to be happy. He said, I want your joy to be full because it's my joy in you. The reason the world is medicating 40,000 people will take their life today. 80% of them are drug-related. And the reason that the world's in trouble or our nation's in trouble or our family's in trouble or Hope House Girls, the reason that we're, we're at is because every one of us in the natural have the desire to be peaceful. We really do. We really want to chill out. We want to be calm. We want to enjoy. We want to, and, and every one of us have a desire to be happy. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't enhance or embrace that relationship, then you're going to be just as miserable as the world. And the only peace you're going to get is going to come in a pill. And the only joy you're going to get is going to come in a bottle or a pill. So the two things that you crave in your life, joy and peace, 
are the two things that God put in you that you would pursue his joy and you would pursue his peace. The Bible says follow peace with, without all men holiness to see God. There's a, there's a, it's easy sometimes to go to bed feeling like it can't get any worse. It's easy to wake up in the morning and realize it can get worse. Your wife made you help her make the bed. But they are, they, are, they are observing the life, Chris, of the rich and famous and successful. And all the rich, famous, those that are famous, those that are successful, they claim the reason that they're successful is the first thing they did when they got out of bed was to make it. I'm, I'm not pulling your leg. I'm, I'm telling you there really, there, there really is. So there's, there's something that happens when we accomplish things in the kingdom, when we accomplish things for the Lord, when we did the Esther project, we do queen for a day, when we feed people, clothe people, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes upon you that makes you want to do more. Do I have a friend in the house? Makes you want. So is this all there is? No. Does it get any better than this? Yes. As we shared through many dangers, toils, and snares. Do we have Revelation 1 and 6? I, I believe, and this is for everyone within the sound of my voice, all of our Facebook friends, all of our podcast friends. Also, if we got Michelle said she didn't get last week's podcast, so we'll make sure you can tell it from you. Are you there? Are you looking at it? Are you trusting me to find it for you? Because I'm, I'm going to find it. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and has washed us from our sins in his own blood, and watch this, and hath made us under our God kings and priests, under our God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and forever. Touched on this last week, but didn't touch it in the way that I wanted to touch it. We know, we believe, we have been taught, and we hold to the fact that this building is a hospital. And we have pursued and believed and taught that if it's a hospital, then you are one of three participants. You're either here because you're sick. Don't look to your left or right. Look up here. <laughs> or, or you're here because God has raised you up to help the sick. Or you're here because you're in the process of being raised up to learn how to help the sick. That's what we are. We are, we are, a, we are a hospital that we've opened our doors and we've said whosoever and we really do mean whosoever. I wish I would have journaled some of the crazy stuff when we were a younger church. I wish I'd have journaled some of the stuff that happened last week. It's, I mean, it, it really is a crazy, it's a crazy thing to know that you're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And there's more. Look at somebody and say, there's more. And so God has, God has raised us up to be what he's called us to be and do what he's called to do. And I think there's such a satisfaction that comes with knowing that you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
And so here is the here is the promotion or here's what God puts on us according to Revelation 1 that God has made you and you're either one of the of, of the other or you can be part of both. Look at somebody and say I want to be part of both. Okay, God has made you to be a priest. What a priest does is intercede to God for man. There's something that I love about Rhonda's dad and I love about my parents and that Obviously, my dad will be 84 June 12th. Rhonda's dad is right there, right there close. But something about their life and the things that they do is both of those men spend a major part of their day praying and studying. And Rhonda will tell you when there's a storm in our life, the first thing that she will do is call her dad. And the first thing that I'll do is call my dad or my mom because you know not only if they say they're praying for you, not only will they pray for you, hello, but it seems like God honors their prayers. Yeah. It seems like God comes through with them. I don't know if it's years of faithfulness. I don't know if it's praying the right thing or the right way, but you know that somehow they're going to touch the heart of God for you. And some of us have the attitude just to know that someone like that is praying for us. It brings ease of mind and it removes the pressure. Can anybody relate? So you are, you are a priest that you're going to God interceding as you look at the life of Job. When Job prayed for his friends at the end of that journey, when he prayed for his friends, and they really, weren't really all those great of friends, Jerry. They badmouthed, they run him down, they judged him, they criticized him. But when God told Job to pray for his friends and Job prayed for his friends, all of a sudden Job's captivity turned around and Job got back double of everything that the enemy has stolen. That's an incredible story. That's a powerful truth because he did what God called him to do. And when you look at it's almost like we want to watch the TV program without commercials. But the commercials are the interruptions that help us grow. The song says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe this far, and his grace will lead me on. Instead of reading the Bible to try to find a place to be immune from pain and suffering, Read the Bible to realize it's there to help you going through the pain and the suffering. Does that help anybody? Okay, so we're priests. We're, we're, we're interceding. We're praying one for another. We're doing what God's word calls us to do. And then some of us are kings. Some of us, God has placed a prophetic anointing on us financially. God has placed the ability for us to take the wealth of the wicked. One thing I like about the story of the three guys, the one guy, had five talents, the one guy had three talents, and the one guy had one talent, and the guy that had five talents did not have a problem at all working, getting involved, and doubling that investment. The guy that had three talents, same thing, didn't have a problem working, getting involved, in investing in the kingdom. But the guy that just had one talent, the Bible said, he buried it, did not recognize it, or maybe recognize it, but didn't want to use it for the glory, the favor of God. I promise you there's a call and a destiny on your life. And when you find it, like Keith, you'll be able to travel and do what God's called you to do. And you wake up in the morning feeling good about it. All right. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation in this house? 
And that's pretty much all I have for you. Oh, go, go with me, if you will, just for a moment. Proverbs. This was not written down, but I felt... Verse 20. There's got to be some way. Is that my glasses? Cost a dollar. Thank you. There's got to be some way to take what we learn Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, and our own devotion. There's got to be some way to take that and apply it to have a better life and to have better lives for others. God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according all that is written. For then thy way shall be prosperous and thou shalt have good success. So there's a, there's a generation upon the planet at this time that God has chosen to bless financially, to go take the wealth of the wicked, to take what's being withheld from God's people, take it back, and begin to disperse it upon the ministries that he's called them to, to be involved in. I know that was a mouthful, so let me say it. There are some in this building that your talent, your purpose in life is to become a king, and a king takes back by dominion what God has given him, and a king goes after what God wants us to have, and we bring it back. We don't hide it. We don't hoard it. We share it. That really, is a, that, really is a, that really is a good word. So there is a, and I don't even know how many times we pray that prophetic word upon our life because God said, don't forget me because I'm the one that gives you the power to get wealth. I mean, are we supposed to be asking God for wealth, the power to get wealth? Absolutely. If our hands are clean, our heart is pure, absolutely. If like the guy that had five brings five more, or the guy that has three brings three more, I think, I think there's favor upon the people that walk in God's favor, walk in his, his, his position. As Mary turned herself to face Christ to hear what he had to say, I believe sometimes it's, we get distracted and we fail to turn ourselves. This morning, I had one of those turning moments. I was bringing Christine to uh, church this morning at 8 o'clock or 8, whatever time it was, and it was so important to her for her to play me three new songs that she had learned. And so we actually got out in the breezeway and stopped and waited for the last song to play. And, you know, in that, in that moment, I'm proud of both my girls, and in that moment, as I watched my daughter pursue, pursuing the things of God, I don't know, there was just like a hand on my shoulder that says, you're doing a good job. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing a good job. And so can we possibly take what we have learned today and apply it tomorrow, I believe that we can. I believe that there is the anointing of dominion in this house. I believe that God has blessed several of us to get the wealth of the wicked, that we won't get all freaked out and we start getting blessed, but we remember to do something in the kingdom of God for it. And I'll, I'll conclude with this story. This is a true story, and I'll probably see this family one time this year or uh, early, early, early. 30 years ago, I had a, um, a crazy uh, revival uh, 
in Rome, Georgia. It was a, cra it was a crazy, uh, the police captain got saved. The meanest man in town got saved. It was just one of those, it went like two or three weeks. And like, I mean, it's just all these, all these people were coming, getting saved, and turning their life around. The Lord opened the door for me to go right across town to Calhoun and have a meeting there. and had a very good meeting there. But for some reason, when I went to Calhoun, I stopped at a Sonic drive-in there in Calhoun. And, uh, you know, I, I, I pulled up to the window, and I, I don't remember what I got, but I remember... Is that Pastor Ron supposed to our, our Valentine's dance? So as we were, as we were at the Sonic, for some reason, the owner and I clicked. Most of you know I took two years of law. My my goal was to be a part of the California Highway Patrol. But the owner of Sonic was a helicopter pilot for the Los Angeles Police Department. And I mean immediately there was a immediately there was a connection there. And he said, What what are you doing? I said, well, I'm preaching revival, and, and they, he'd been to church twice in 20 years, once when he was married and once at a funeral. And I said, hey, I'm preaching over here at this church. He says, yeah, we, we know that's that, so we'll, so we'll come and hang out with you. Well, make a long story short, he and his wife and one of his kids came that night and gave their heart to God. Within the next week, every one of his staff from Sonics was saved. All three children, his wife, the family, all of them. And it was like all of a sudden, when they turned their heart towards the things of God, begin to pursue the things of God, the business went crazy. It literally went crazy. And so we rejoice with them. We, we appreciate that. And through the years, they have been very kind to us financially. But several months down the road, I called the pastor of the, of the Calhoun Church of God just to check. I used to do that once in a while. I used to do it a lot to see if I'd done any damage. Then when I found out I did damage, I stopped calling churches to make sure the revival was okay, Pastor Todd. But I said, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And he said, they're doing great, but they've got a snag in their finances. I said, okay, well, what do you mean they got a snag in their finances? Well, when they first got saved, they were bringing $100 a week to the offering. It was making $1,000 a week. But now they've told several people they're making $1,000 a day but they're only bringing $100 on Sunday. So you know me, had to stick my nose in where it didn't belong. I didn't call them, I went to where they were. I said, hey, what's going on? Oh, we're, God's great, the family's great, the employees are blessed. We bought another Sonic in, in Lafayette and uh, we're really doing good. I said, well, tell me a little bit about, are you supporting the kingdom? How's all that going? Oh yeah, I said, we're, every week we take you know, an offering to the, to the Lord. And I said, well, are you, are you sending a tithe of this offering? He goes, no, he said, he said, you know what? I said, we're having a tough time tithing on $1,000 a day. That's just a lot of money that we give the church every week. We have a tough time with that. And I promise you, the words that I'm out, Linda, I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pray that God would take you back to $1,000 a week because you could tithe on that. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't. What if you do? Don't do that. I said, I won't. But you've got to be faithful with the increase. If God gives you an increase, then you've got to remember the Lord. He gave you a power to get well. Pursue that. And and no, there are there are there there's so much potential. It'd be scary if my nose started growing like that Pinocchio commercial, remember? You have potential and you have and you have potential. There, there is there is so much potential in this room and there's so much favor in this room. It's like it's like here's what the Lord is saying. If you can't be happy for you.
be happy for me. If you can't operate in your own joy, operate in my joy. And, and at the end of the road, and we're getting a lot closer, 60 is a lot closer to the end of the road than it is to the beginning. And I'm over here, Cliff. I mean, I'm in, I am in, I'm in trouble. But as we get to the end of life's journey, we ponder, have we done everything that we can do? Have we been everything that we can be? Have we said everything we need to say? Is there something missing? Is there something left? And as we begin to pray one for another and pray for the kingdom, God begins to insert visions, dreams, promises, and, uh, you know, never lose your dream, never lose your, your vision. Allow God to continue to allow it to grow. John 15, and, uh, oh, Proverbs. I never shared that, did I? Verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear in my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart. For they are life and those that find them and health to all their flesh. How powerful is that? The Word of God is a medicine, it's a doctor, it's life, it's favor, it's blessing. Take this morning what you learned or take this morning what you already know and apply it to life that God can bless it and God can touch it. Can we pray? Thank you for this season together. Thank you that our worship this morning was incredible.